0: before I do that, I want to remind you that we are in a series called Jesus right? And we talked about how Acts is this two, the, the sequel to Luke. The sequel to Luke. And unlike Star Wars, there isn't like a bunch of prequels and a bunch of trilogies after. There's only two. There's Luke and there's Acts. And Luke was all about what Jesus began to do when he, like, his birth and all the ministry he did and his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and then we get into Acts, and it repeats his ascension, and it goes on, talk about the spirit being poured out on the church, which we talked about, and we talked about how we want to see a church born in Gloucester City, and as our whole point of studying this book, we want to look at what kind of church is a biblical church, a church that looks like the church that's in the Bible, And we talked last week about part of that is the the church is a miraculous church. Right? And we talked about how we need to wait
1: on God. God is like a leopard
0: in the jungle. You don't make appointments with the king. You don't get to just say, you don't get to say, well, if I give enough money and touch the TV, when the man says, touch the TV... Then my appointment comes and I can do something to manipulate God. No, God doesn't work that way. He cannot be manipulated.
1: We're at his mercy. But that's a very good thing because God is good and he likes to give good things to his children. And tonight... I want to talk to you about how Loser City has got a street called Straight.
0: You might be thinking, no, it not <laughs> I can see it on some of your faces. What are you talking about? Where is Straight Street? You know what I mean? If you look really close on the map up here, right, maybe it's covered up by the text. No, no it's, it's, it's not a literal street called straight, but when we look at this text and we open it up, you'll begin to see what I mean. All right, Acts chapter 9, verse 1 to 19. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled, he was nearing Damascus. A light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, Saul said. I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. He replied, but get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. And Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and he did not eat or drink. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. Get up and go to the street called Straight. The Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for this is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings and Israelites, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hand on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road we were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want something like scales, fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. And after having taken some food, he regained his strength. Not really hot. What do I mean go street? Call it straight. Well, one of the persecutors of the faith becomes one of the chief prophets here. Did you see that? Saul was somebody who was authorized to go around and round up Christian men and women, get papers from the people of authority in Jerusalem. Earlier, just a few chapters earlier, we see that the first martyr, the first one to die for their faith,
1: is stoned to death. And it
0: mentions that Paul, a Pharisee, someone of importance, someone who had authority to standing there in approval as he was stoned
1: to death. Straight
0: Street is a place that nobody wants to go. Straight Street is a place that nobody wants to go. I, I wanted to show you sort of what the roads look like in Damascus now. And you see how kind of certainly not straight, right? <laughs> It kind of like curves over like this. This is how the streets look like in the old city. With a few with a few feet between the buildings. And we've kind of envisioned you like these ancient cities, still talked about how they were praying in up upper room and how it would be similar to the row homes we have here in Gloucester, except there wouldn't be roads with two lanes. And parking between the houses. It would just be for walking. And actually in Gloucester there are some spots like that too. (laughs) We do have some streets where it's literally like house and then a little alley and then another house, right? But uh, Straight Street was a place that Ananias didn't want to go. Why didn't he want to go there? He was scared of Paul. He was scared of Paul. So he had a vision from God. And yet at the same time, he actually has the type of relationship with God where God is speaking to him in a vision, and yet he still can ask questions. That's a good relationship with God. That's that's not a bad relationship with God. That's a good relationship where, where he's expressing his fears and his doubts. Not in, a, not in the sense of like, oh,
1: I'm not doing what you told me.
0: <laughs> but he's trying to work it out. He's trying to work through it with God. You're telling me I got go to go the Straight Street, this place where people come and go, probably like the motel situation, and we all know what that's like. We got some of them on 130, right? Stuff happens. Did you know Brooklyn was the fifth most dangerous city in New Jersey? You're like, what? Brooklawn? It's all because of like three hotels that are in that zip code and a super small population. So not much happens in the neighborhood, right? But, uh, but a lot happens. Yeah. On 130, just in those hotels that drive those numbers up per capita. So you had like Atlantic City, Camden, Trenton, right? Jersey City. And then you had Brooklyn.
1: <laughs> he didn't want to go. He didn't know what he was going to find. But he trusted
0: God and he went because of a vision where the Lord told him to go to that street. And we need some we need some dreams.
1: We need some visions. Um,
0: you know, I started talking about this idea of intercessory dream back when I was ministering in Kensington with Pastor Douglas. We, we used to look at people in Kensington We to see people under the L, right? Under the elevated chain, see them getting dope, getting whatever, you know, tricking themselves out, whatever. Like it's not a pretty picture. And say, you know what? There are people who have lost the ability to have dreams for themselves. And what they have now is nightmares. And we talk about intercessory prayer. We also gotta talk about intercessory dreaming. So when we see people, we don't see them just in their current situation and what they are, but we see their potential. We see what it would look like if they were restored, if they were renewed. We see what it could look like when somebody comes to know the Lord and it starts to
1: change their life.
0: So we need to dream for
1: people who don't dream anymore.
0: The, the, the straight street here is a call for us to go to the place that maybe we don't want to go. Right? You know, they, they talk about the, the Wild West. Of Gloucester, right? We live in the Wild West. We live over here. <laughs> we, we that's Straight Street. I hate to say it, I know. Like most of us, live over here. We live on Straight Street. Talk about the the the, the trailer park where we've been working, and we've got a lot of relationships and a lot of friends and stuff. For a lot of people, that Straight Street, they're not going. The the person that you work with. That you just can't stand. That that just goes against the grain of who you are. They just annoy you beyond belief. Going over and sitting with them in the the rest area, the break room, that break room becomes straight street. The people who you think are too good for you, that you think like, well, I'm a little intimidated. Like maybe they they don't really have nothing to do with me. For you, that could be straight street. Gloucester has a
1: street called straight. Lots of them. We are all called to be missionary,
0: And yet, at the same time, we're all a mission field. You know, we were missionaries. Like most of you know, we, we lived in Africa. We were missionaries, capital M, I guess, you know. We went out of our culture to another I learned another language, and I taught in it and worked in this other language. But every single one of us is called to mission just means being sent, being sent by God. And every single one of us who comes into a relationship with God through Jesus is called to be a missionary, is called to lowercase m, to be on their block That's why you know our tagline is on the block for the community, showing off the love of Jesus. Straight Street might be where you live, (laughs) because we're not just missionaries; we're also a mission field, (laughs) and we have people reaching out to us, loving us, blessing us, and caring for us, because God called them to knock on our door. So, Gloucester's got saints. Gloucester's got a street called Straight, but also Gloucester's got saints who wait and pray. Let me say that again Gloucester's got saints who wait and pray. So, Ananias is called a disciple here in this text. And a disciple is just somebody who follows Jesus. What's really remarkable is that Ananias is not a pastor. And this Ananias is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. He's not mentioned to be a minister or a deacon. The the word here for disciple means someone who holds on. The Greek is doulos. It means to hold on. And I need you to know that For us to go deep and to go wide here in Gloucester City, we need some people who are going to hold on. who are going to hold on to Jesus when it seems like, oh, it's like a sliding door. Someone told me when you're playing at church, it's sort of like, uh, you know, those big buildings in in, in Center City. What do they call that? The rotating door. door? The revolving door, yeah. That's what it is to start a new church. It's like a revolving door for the first Few months and first few years, it's like heavy, heavy people come in and they like look in the lobby and then they go back <laughs> straight out. But God uses disciples, God uses those people who will hold on, devoted, and not just people who are leaders, who are apostles, who are pastors, who are deacons, but just people willing to pray. People willing to wait, lost their needs, saints who pray and saints who wait, who don't ignore the vision
1: that God sent, don't say no when God tells them to go.
0: I mean, do you know how to hear from God? This is the thing when you spend a lifetime of uh, trying to sort of push that down, and you're in a society that's just full of noise, when you're in a society that's just full of noise, right, whether it's like from your little screen in your pocket, on the radio, in your car, there's constant information hitting you. And from so the time you were a little kid, you have been exposed to a certain way of looking at life, and for the most part, God is not really a big part of that.
1: So when you spend your entire life
0: holding the beach ball, I don't know if you've been swimming, it's like you hold the ball down (laughs) underwater. It's hard at first. But you know what? We can get pretty good at it (laughs) after a long time. After a lifetime of sort of suppressing God's voice. And one of the things is, is that when we are not quick to act on God's voice, that voice gets harder and harder to hear and discern. So when, when, you know, you know you should do X, Y, and Z, you know, hey, I'm in a relationship that's not good. But you're like, but, but I get value from this relationship, and I'm scared to do anything else. And you know, in your heart, and God is speaking to you, like, "Get out! It's wrong." Guess what happens? The Bible talks about our conscience gets seared. And over time, when we don't listen, when we don't listen to God, and we don't act on what God is saying, we have a hard time hearing Him. I mean, I think I read of you know the, some of the old saints where there, there's this. Um, this is one old saint who, who was converted because, it's, because spring came. So he's looking at the tree, and he's seeing that there's like buds of life and green. And he's thinking about, wow, this is incredible. This thing was dead. It was cold and dark for months. And now it's coming back to life. Isn't that, doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like something I've also heard before? And it was, of course, that this is what God does. God sends his son, and he dies, and he lays in the ground, but then he raises again on the third day. This is the thing. Like, you and I, we live in a culture in the world where we don't see that stuff. We don't see it. That's just winter. That's just summer. Our antenna for the Spirit is broken. And we need God to heal us and to fix it so we can hear
1: from Him. I need to ask you, are you in a relationship?
0: Do you hear from Him? Do you talk to Him? Are you working on your antenna? Are you desperate to clean up the things in your life that break down your
1: fellowship and your communication with God. Because if you're not,
0: you're going to live in the fog. And everything you do, like even when you do pray, you're going to have this deep cynicism and you're going to be like, well, I prayed for that, but probably something worse is going to happen. But
1: God's sort of angry with me. praying for
0: a parking space, probably that means that I'm going to be sitting here for an hour. (laughs) Right? That sort of mentality, that sort of heart, like, like disconnected. Disconnected.
1: From years of suppression. Gloucester
0: has a street called the street. Gloucester's got saints who wait and pray. And finally, Gloucester's got sinners that change. And boy, doesn't Paul change, right? Forget for a moment the violence in Paul's life. Of course we are shocked by that. But in the ancient world, the violence it wouldn't have been that out of character or that crazy a part of his life. To be honest with you, Paul's life was heading in a good direction on paper. According to him, his life was in a good direction. According to everyone that mattered to him, his life was heading in a good direction. And according to his entire faith community, his life was heading in a good direction. He was an
1: authority. He was a scholar.
0: And everybody who knew him would have been high-fiving him for what he was doing. Now I want to ask you, When you think about your life, when you think about your neighbors and your friends, your family's lives, like if everything seems to be going right, that's going to be tough to do the 180, right? That's going to be hard. Like I was talking about, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, you know, when you are going the wrong way 200 miles an hour on a train, the answer isn't to start walking the other way in the train like that's going to help at all. Like you ain't going to out-job the train while you're inside of it. you got to get off the train, and then you got to wait for the train to go in the opposite direction.
1: Deep turnaround. Deep repentance.
0: Paul experienced deep repentance here. We see that Paul was on his way. And in the Greek, it says that very clearly, that Paul is on his way. And yet, he's on his way to oppose the people of the way because people weren't called Christians yet. We're in Damascus and we haven't gotten that. That was sort of an insult. We're not there yet. The people who follow Jesus would be called people of the way. And the thing you need to know is that the claims of faith are radically exclusive and offensively exclusive. Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the door. Like, if you want to get into the kingdom of God, you got to come through me. But it's also radically and offensively inclusive. Because the person that we think isn't good enough, the person that we think is like the dregs of society, if they go through that gate of Jesus, they enter into the kingdom of God. So the faith is like, ironically, extremely exclusive, but also extremely inclusive. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a pearl of great price. So somebody's in the market, and they see this pearl, and they realize, this thing is beautiful. I need this thing. And what does that person do? Jesus says, they go home, they sell everything they have so
1: that they can have it. This is what what Paul does, right? This is what
0: Paul does. You know, some people have a quiet conversion. Some people have a slow, quiet conversion. And they're just like, you know what? Um, When we say the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, um, at some point, months and months in to that rhythm, when I say it, I think I believe it now. (laughs) And I don't know when that happened or how that happened. True, Nonetheless, there are so many ways people are converted. So many ways people come to faith in Jesus. My conversion was more like Paul's. It was a loud and sudden conversion. Jesus knocked me off my horse. (laughs) He did. He knocked me off my horse. I I was heading deep in the wrong way, and... I was on like all types of medication. I couldn't focus. I couldn't sit in the classroom. So I wasn't even allowed to be in the special education class. They put me in the copy machine room with the teacher's aide who was like really burnt out because she had to be with me all day. <laughs> and when I found Jesus, it was like night and day. And I went... Within four years straight up to college prep classes, I had somewhere to take all my anxiety. I would pray for things and things would happen. And I came in that childlike faith, like, you know, my dad's having this surgery, that so need this job, these things are happening. I, I have friends that, that I want to see, come to know God, and I would just pray and pray and pray and just seek to please God. And you know what? Stop. Happens. Stuff happens. I cannot promise that your encounter with the light will not hurt. I don't know if you guys have seen Stranger Things. This, this, this year two. Great show. You should see it. Anyway, there's this kid who like has these visions like call now memories. And he's like, sitting in the arcade and comes out He steps outside the arcade and all of a sudden he sees like the world flip upside down and he sees that there's like this huge monster over the arcade.
1: Beginning to see spiritual reality
0: is really uncomfortable and hurts, especially in the beginning. Like look at the back of the, the bulletin. Get this quote by John Bunyan. It's an old quote. That's why it sounds old. But it's got a lot of good truth in it. It says, conversion is not the smooth, easygoing process some men seem to think. It is wounding work. It's breaking of the heart. But without wounding, there is no saving. Where there is grafting, there will always be cutting. Do you catch what that is? That's a gardening illustration. Like you have to cut and trim down. I got this mum in the front of my house that froze last night because it's so cold. I got to cut it down. God has to cut things from our life so that we can be cold. To stick it onto the outside or to tie it on with a string would do no use. Parts must be set To the heart and back to back, or there will be no sap from the root to the branch. And this, I say, must be done by a wound, by a cut. So if you're going to get connected to God, He's saying it's like you have this branch, this part of you that needs to be cut, and then God, by His Spirit, will connect you to Him. But it goes a little deeper than that. The wound isn't just yours. This is what Jesus did for us. He heals us by his wounds. So we are wounded and we lose part of ourselves if we're gonna know God, right? But Jesus, he died on a cross. He bled real blood. When they put the crown of thorns on his head, real blood came down his face. And he was choking on that cross. And he did it because he loves you
1: and he loves me. And so when he wounds you, and and, and when he shows you stuff about yourself you don't want to think about, stuff you got to change. It's not just him wounding you to wound you. He wants to connect you to him. He wants to graft you to him so that you can really live.
0: Paul talks, I mean, the, 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 this passage talks about how Jesus says, Paul is going to find out what it means to suffer for me. It says right there. And Paul suffers like crazy for Jesus. But he also gets to taste like crazy the glory of following Jesus and seeing. Him. And we need to be willing to suffer
1: and both see the fruit
0: And in the end, it says that the scales fell off Paul's eyes. Something like scales fell off. And after three days of being blind, when the man that God said was sent to him and he prayed for him, he was healed and he could see again. Sometimes God
1: needs to blind you before he can let you see. The light of Jesus was so bright it blinded Paul. God, we pray that we
0: would be hungry to get a little glimpse of you. Even if it hurts us, even if it hurts our eyes, even if it exposes things in our lives that are messed up, Paul thought he was on the right way. Paul had confirmation from his entire faith community, from his entire nation, from every friend and family that mattered to him. They would have high-fived everything he was doing, and he felt settled in his own conscience that he was right, and yet he was dead wrong.
1: Lord, we pray for your spirit to side-tackle us. Knock us down off our horses.
0: Allow the scales to fall from our eyes. Allow us to be stunned by your light, see you for who you are, and be changed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So we got a couple of announcements. Uh, all the churches in Gloucester are going to have an ecumenical service that just means like come together all these different churches. And it's going to be here. It's convenient for us. And, um, it's going to be me speaking, which is not going to be, you hear me all the time, but uh, it's going to be super wonderful for all the other churches. <laughs> and like I said last week, I know how to color the lines. they probably, I, I, know how to, I know how the, I know how the, some of the other churches do, they you go know, like attendance, sermon, I was good, I was good to that. <laughs> it wasn't long, but, but, uh, but even that would be long, so it'll be, it'll be a quick service a quick shot in the arm, and it'll be great. It'll be great just to see and connect and meet other people in town and maybe reconnect for a lot of us, people we know in town. Another thing is giving, just to remind you, that green box in the back, that is an offering box. We're not super high-profile about giving, but as you're led, as you're convicted, whatever you give, one, we're legit, We'll give you a receipt. You can take it off your taxes. (laughs) Number two, number two, it it will, it will be used like immediately for stuff we need um, as we get ready to launch and as we, you know, work towards growing this church. And also you can give online. The link is right there. If you know anybody that needs a meal for Thanksgiving, please let me know. And, uh, I think that's it. Let me, let me pray for us, for our meal, and let us do our meal together. God, thank you, God, for our family meals every week. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bless us and bless our kids, and I pray that their lesson would have been good, encouraging, stretch them. Lord, we, we pray, God, for those who are helping us, that we know that they also can feel like incompetent. Like, who is competent to tell other people about the bible and god that's like a frightening thing especially when you're young and you haven't done it a lot i pray that they build with confidence build with knowledge and where they lack knowledge lord would they be hungry to know it so they can communicate it clearly and in a helpful way lord bless us tonight and bless our week in jesus name Amen.